Hello and a warm welcome from the TMA to our membership, friends, and affiliates. I am Vlad Hachinsky, and for our April 2023 podcast, we are privileged to have Marcel Mangel join us today. Marcel is the past president of the ADR Institute of Ontario, and whether he's acting as counsel, a deputy judge, or as a professional neutral, Marcel's practice intersects frequently with the insolvency and restructuring realm. In today's podcast, Marcel will share some insights into how options can be generated for stakeholders in aid of creating optimal outcomes in difficult situations. Welcome, Marcel. Sure. Thank you very much, Vlad, for this uh, opportunity to talk to you and the members of TMA. Um, uh, My background as a lawyer started 40 years ago. I I completed uh, legal studies in both common and civil law at McGill University. I was called to the bar in both Ontario and Quebec. And then about 10 years later, also qualified uh, more as a lark uh, for the New York State Bar as well to get some idea of um, what that system was all about. Uh, When I first got called to the bar, I actually joined a family business and we operated a family business for about seven or eight years until the recession in the early 1990s Uh, took me out of that business uh, a little forcefully and I got to learn really as a client the meaning of insolvency, the insolvency professionals. Curiously, it was right at the time when the new Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act provisions were coming into force. And as the old joke goes, if I knew back then what I knew today about the BIA, I probably could have stretched things out quite a bit. In any event, I learned as a client, as someone who was sort of facing insolvency in the face, the importance of insolvency professionals, turnaround professionals, what the different roles were of people like counsel, accountants, evaluation professionals. And um, at that time, I, I had two things happen to me. I went into the practice of law and more importantly, a uh, colleague of uh, my family's said, why don't I put my name in to be a deputy judge in the small claims court system? And in fact, this month I celebrate 30 years of having continuously served as a deputy judge in the small claims court system. And it looks like it's increasing. But during that type of work, I realized how important this role of a neutral is what could I start doing? I learned from another colleague, a fellow who's fairly well known in Ontario ADR, Alternative Dispute Resolution Circles, by the name of Rick Shields. I learned some of the importance of mediation and arbitration processes. And so I sort of settled on that as part of my future path. One of the most interesting challenges, of course, for the mediator, which is what we see as probably one of the more important features of alternative dispute resolution. Uh, One of the most important roles we see for mediators, and that's what I think we'd really like to talk about today, is how a mediator can really add value to just about any situation by the concept of generating options. How the view of the mediator can sometimes provide parties with options that 
maybe they haven't fully explored yet or in some cases even thought about. I think that's, that's a great theme, Marcel, and I'd love to explore that a bit further with you. Um, you know, given, given your broad range of experience, what can you share around some, one, I suppose, some best practices in terms of engaging a neutral to facilitate the insolvency process itself? And two, are there some examples? So, so let's start with today's environment. Um, good or bad, when the, the pandemic started, the federal and provincial governments had a problem. How do we prevent the economies from crashing? They, as we know, they poured billions of dollars into the economy. A curious uh, program that they had was the CERB, uh, the, the uh, emergency benefit for anybody who had an, incor you know, an incorporated entity. They would, in fact, provide, I think it was up to $60,000, uh, part of which is refundable if it all got repaid in a certain time. Well, that ch we're, we're starting to see that chicken come home to roost with a lot of small businesses. CERB was distributed with little regard for economic viability. It was just a mechanism to get money into the economy. But, of course, a lot of the financial institutions who, in fact, funded those programs, guaranteed by the government, so there really isn't a lot of downside from the perspective of the financial institution, but they have to act uh, in a reasonable manner to collect these amounts and see to appropriate payments of these amounts. We're probably in the SME sector, small and medium enterprises sector, going to start seeing, if not full-blown bankruptcies, certainly insolvencies, certainly companies changing um, uh, their approach to the business that they're running. It isn't just a two-party negotiation. I may see it in uh, being a two-party negotiation in a small claims court action because really it's only a plaintiff and a defendant. But anyone who's working directly with the enterprise realizes that it's very much a multi-party situation. They have the principles of the business who may or may not have personally guaranteed amounts. They have potential other investors in the business if there were some arm's length or not quite arm's length investments in the business. They have the employees of the business. They have the, have the suppliers of the business, the customers of the business who provided deposits. And, and that's a little bit where I, as the mediator, can add a lot of value to an insolvency profession. To, to really work this business out, a mediator comes in, and first thing I do is I take stock of who are all of the different parties that we have to talk to. Then, of course, Mediation School 101 teaches us find out what all of their interests are. And, of course, in a lot of cases, their interests aren't just being paid what they're owed. For example, employees aren't just there to be paid what they're owed. That's certainly an important part. But now they're also interested, how can we keep this enterprise going so that they can still make a living into the future with this business? 
a supplier has the same sort of idea. It's not just to get paid the outstanding account receivable, but gee, will, will I still have a potential customer for the goods I'm selling two months from now, six months from now? A lot of suppliers, uh, a lot of contractors have found that when their principal customer has an insolvency event, then everybody, you know, yes, getting the money out as quickly as possible is what everybody will state as their first concern. But one of the things that I do as a mediator is sort of dig down to say, look, but there's got to be some value ongoing in there. And how do we get that up? Again, an insolvency professional may not have to worry about those interests. And that sometimes is what prevents us from sort of affecting a settlement of the overall enterprise challenge. So, you know, it, it can be very complicated. Now, a really important thing in all of this as well, how do we find mediators who understand enough about the subject matter so that they're going to be able to sort things out? And, and you know, there are, there are people like me out there, and there's no question about it. The best thing to do is just pick up the phone and call some mediators and say, this is what I have in mind for a negotiation. Have you got any, have you got any experience in doing this sort of thing? So in essence, bring, uh, bring someone who has some subject matter or domain expertise onto the team of other insolvency professionals to help affect it, 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 that's absolutely what I'm suggesting. And, and the, trouble, the trouble we have is we've never had as much information at our fingertips available as we do right now with the Internet. And, you know, look, I, I'm well into my 60s now. You know, I remember for me, the Internet was getting on my bicycle for 15 minutes to go to the local municipal library to look up Encyclopedia Britannica. Uh, but nowadays we we think, and we're a little bit fooled that we can look anybody up on LinkedIn. We can look up people's postings on Twitter, Reddit, uh, Instagram, and on and on goes the social media. But the problem is we don't know if they're going to be any good at the mandate we have in mind. First, you absolutely have to talk to people. Yes, if in doubt, pick up the phone. What do you see as some of the other stumbling blocks? Um, probably the biggest stumbling block is the, is the entrepreneur or entrepreneurs in charge of the business. They don't know what the options are out there. Um, you know, many of them, um, you know, here in Ontario, come sometimes from ethnic cultures where insolvency and bankruptcy were absolutely taboo concepts. Um, they don't understand why they should talk to an insolvency professional because they're still managing to keep the business going. It, it, it's those entrepreneurs who have to understand you need to make sure that the patient's still alive to be able to turn the company around. Uh, I remember the very famous uh, comment made by one of the institutional lenders to the Reichman brothers on the Canary Wharf development in London, England. And the institutional lender came in and was very blunt and said, this dog won't hunt. You know, uh, essentially it's dead in the water. And of course that's when things changed for the Reichman brothers. 
and the whole Canary Wharf project took a, a, a different tack. And, and yes, the Reichmans were absolutely right. Canary Wharf proved to be a brilliant investment on, on the Isle of Dogs property in London and, and went on to profitability, et cetera. Although with everybody leaving office towers and downtown blocks now, one wonders what the next incarnation will be. Similarly, one of the challenges that happens is, and again, you know, as I said, having lived through an insolvency situation myself, I absolutely know what the, the mental gymnastics are going on. Well, can we pay this and defer that? What can we do with this action? What can we do with this claim? And, and the sort of machinations that you're employing. Finally, we went to see an insolvency trustee and said, what can you do for us? And unfortunately, the, the insolvency trustee said, yeah, well, it's almost a little too late now because I can't do this because of this. I can't do that because of this. So again, it's really easy for people to generate options if they get called in early enough on, on a particular uh, situation. And that's the problem, that sometimes we're in too late. It's a great point, Marcel. One, truly time is of the essence. And two, the sooner you can get an outside perspective in, the greater the opportunities for, for, for some sort of a path to resolution. We're recording this within 24 hours of the huge settlement that was announced in the Fox News uh, situ uh, situation in the United States. Fox News paid three quarters of a billion, that's with a B, billion dollars to Dominion voting machines to settle a defamation suit. A transaction which now we're coming to find was facilitated by a mediator who was actually physically located in Europe at the time. Uh, when he got the call last Thursday or Friday before the settlement was affected on, on uh, I think it was Monday afternoon, when the mediator got the, sorry, Tuesday afternoon, when the mediator got the call, he was on the Rhine or something like that and fired up Zoom and started doing what mediators did, do. He gained the trust of the appropriate parties. He started preparing dramatically. He went through thousands of pages of documents. Then he started obviously generating options for the parties. And through all of that, they were able to settle it. So coming back to the domestic or the, the Canadian market in this case, uh, based on your experience and practice, what are you seeing as some opportunities to, to better apply and or reform certain elements of the BIA and CCAA, just from, just from a high... The trouble with the BIA is, yes, we absolutely have the concept of a proposal under the BIA. The, the trouble is, anybody who's going to make a formal proposal under the BIA for an enterprise knows that the consequence of a creditor not, you know, the creditor is not accepting it is, bang, they're in insolvency and this is dead in the water. And, and so what we probably need to start thinking of policy-wise, gee, could we use a, a Chapter 11-style 
uh, provision here in Canada, which applies to any of the SMEs. Now, another part of, let's say we were going to try to invent Chapter 11 for a particular small or medium enterprise insolvency right now. Well, what we're going to need is actually two or three ADR professionals. We're going to need someone who is allowed to arbitrate these claims. In other words, make tough decisions. I accept this valuation, I don't accept that valuation. You're going to need a mediator in there. Gee, you know, we better get these two positions a lot closer to each other. Uh, despite trends in the ADR field towards this animal called MedArb, no, I think if we're going to try and invent a Chapter 11, you still need separate mediator and arbitral functions. Now you start coming down to a real problem in Toronto, in Canada. Um, gee, we haven't got a lot of people to go around in this field. It's a pretty esoteric field. Uh, there are tight numbers of people. And will there be enough people who will be neutral enough to in fact stand as both an arbitrator and then other people to stand as a mediator in those circumstances. It's something that of course longer term we have to start thinking about. Should we be creating a group of people who can regularly stand in for this? Marcel, I really appreciate the time this morning. Any closing thoughts on no. practice or topics? No, I, I, I'm just thrilled to be able to do this. Like, you know, like I say, um, uh, you know, as people start thinking about mediations or facilitators for the different types of transactions that they have, I think it's important that they choose people who have subject matter expertise, other personality traits of good mediators are tenacious, uh, people that are willing to look for interests and generate some options. And, uh, you know, I think you'll find a lot of people in and around the Toronto area or Ottawa area who are prepared to do that. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much, Marcel. And on behalf of the TMA, really appreciate your, your time and insights and look forward to chatting with you again. Thank you, Vlad.